welcome to the SPO Great Music Podcast, brought to you by the Scarborough Philharmonic Orchestra, entertaining and serving our community and the greater Toronto area for more than four decades. Now our host, Dr. Daniel Metazada. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the SPO Great Music Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Metizade. In today's episode, we'll be exploring how music and dance have inspired one prominent Toronto musician to form Echo Chamber Toronto, an ensemble which combines chamber music with contemporary dance. Stephen Bomfield from Ludwig van Toronto writes, Toronto's hottest chamber performance series going these days. Canadian violinist Aaron Schwabel leads Echo Chamber Toronto. Aaron writes, My objective as artistic director is to create performances that offer a new lens through which both music and dance can be experienced. By merging these two art forms in an intimate setting, Echo Chamber performances deliver the unique opportunity to see and hear music and dance together as one integrated expression. I should mention that Echo Chamber performances have featured choreography by some of Canada's leading artists. As for Aaron Schwebel himself, he currently holds the positions of Concertmaster with the National Ballet of Canada Orchestra and Associate Concertmaster with the Canadian Opera Company. As a guest Concertmaster, Aaron has performed with the National Arts Centre Orchestra, the Violin de Roi, the Hamilton Philharmonic Orchestra, and the Kitchener Wilder Symphony. The SBO and its music director, Ronald Royer, have been supporters of this exceptional ensemble from the start just a few years ago. As well, Aaron has performed the Violin Concerto with the SPO and will perform with us again. I'd like to now welcome Aaron. Hi Aaron, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I'd like to introduce you a little more to the audience. I'd like to ask if you could talk about who you are and what you do. Could you tell us about your musical background and how you've ended up here in Toronto? Yeah, sure. So I actually grew up in Toronto. I started playing violin when I was four. I started singing when I was five. I was singing in the Toronto Children's Chorus, actually. So most of my musical upbringing was singing. And I also took violin lessons. But it wasn't until high school that I got more serious on violin. I had a lot of nice opportunities along the way for various educational activities in the summer, like National Youth Orchestra and the Chamber Music Session at Domaine Forger. All those were pivotal in making me really love music, making me really want to be a musician. I went to university at McGill and uh, Indiana, and then I was lucky when the jobs in Toronto came up, and they wanted to work with me, so that was nice. And you've been quite active with uh, dance and opera, including your organization, Echo Chamber Toronto. Now, is there a passion behind dance and theater? Firstly, I should say that um, I did not know very much about dance or opera until I got the positions at the National Ballet and Canadian Opera Company. As a student, I was just looking for work after I finished university, and those opportunities came up, and so a lot of my collaborative interests stemmed from the work I was doing. And so when I joined the ballet, it was really the first time I'd worked with dancers before. And um, it was really interesting to me how we exist in the same world and, and they have such different tools of expressing the same material that I'm expressing. So we arrive at it from different uh, backgrounds, different abilities, but we're part of the same expression. So that was really interesting to me. And to an extent, opera as well. 
I had background singing as a young chorister, but I didn't really have the kind of immersion in the opera world that I do now. And so getting to know these huge pieces in the repertoire that kind of made me feel like, how did I not know these before, you know? Because at university, we study the violin repertoire, like concertos, sonatas, solo Bach. Um, the orchestral repertoire was really a big part of it, but um, not as much opera. And so playing, you know, a Strauss opera for the first time, playing a Handel opera, a Mozart opera, it was really, really exciting for me and to kind of be having these firsts later in, in my adult life. Um, you know, I'm in my mid-30s now and I'm still kind of discovering these huge great pieces that um, um, I, I have the same kind of reaction to them as I did when I was like 14 hearing a Beethoven string quartet for the first time, you know? Um, so that's pretty cool. I mean, my career at the ballet and opera is full of firsts still, which I really enjoy. Yeah. And how is the the experience playing, let's say, a symphony compared to that of a larger production, an opera or a ballet? Is it a lot more demanding? How is that for you? That's a, It's an interesting question because... Um, there are a lot of different factors there. It's not just the length of the program, but it's um, being kind of the main event. Like when you play a symphony, you're you're on stage. You are the visual as well as um, the unseen music. You know, at, at the opera and ballet, of course, people can see a sliver of us maybe, but we're not the main event. I mean, musically, of, of course, it's hard to argue what's the main event, but, but visually we're not the spectacle, right? And so at a symphony orchestra concert, the orchestra is the spectacle. And so already that kind of puts, well, at least for me, it puts me in a different frame of mind. Not necessarily for better or for worse. I think both demand equal attention, but I'm a little bit more aware of my role on stage when I play symphony. I did a lot of playing at the National Arts Center because shortly after graduating from university, I did their Institute for Orchestral Studies, and I was working as an extra. Then actually for about a month, I was a member of the orchestra. And occasionally I go back as a guest, and, and I have a huge fondness for that orchestra. And it's it's been great to play some of the repertoire. I don't get to play very often in the pit. So for me, most of what I'm feeling when I play there is like elation, you know, just I'm happy to be there. I'm happy to be uh, playing with so many people who I love and respect so much. And I mean, not that I don't have that in Toronto. Of, of course I do, but it's, it's sort of like being a tourist somewhere, right? Um, like it's a new set of faces and a new, a new environment. It's, it's kind of a nice way of dividing up uh, what I, what I have going on in Toronto. So yeah, it's nice to pop my head out of the ground once in a while and play above ground level. Let's now talk about chamber music. So you're the founder and artistic director of Echo Chamber Toronto. This is specifically an organization that works with modern dance, choreography, and chamber music. Could you talk about the inspiration behind creating this organization and perhaps some of the productions or concerts that are being produced currently and in the past? Yes. Like any arts organization, it evolved a little bit from the um, onset when I started doing this, it was exclusively with ballet dancers because that was my immediate um, professional community at the National Ballet. And then I sort of 
discovered the world of contemporary dance um, along the way and really enjoyed that. And so now there's, I would say there's a little bit of a mix with a lean towards um, contemporary ballet, which is nice because I think sort of accidentally I fell upon a situation where I'm merging those two worlds as well because I started to notice that they are quite different, the style of movement. Um, you know, these are all things to my amateur dance eye. But when I started, I had a couple experiences at the National Ballet where I was working a little bit more closely with dancers, and I really enjoyed that experience. I enjoyed seeing the interpretation for the music I had in my head manifested physically, like as it was being performed by another arts medium. I thought that was interesting. And so I also thought it was neat for the audience to be able to experience dance and music together on the same stage. And maybe, you know, a diversion from our normal stationary performing positions in chamber music is is interesting for the audience. So there were things that kind of led me to try to create performances that allow for a more integrated expression um, between musicians and dancers. And uh, I found that choreographers were really on board. Um, it was something they hadn't really done before. Um, you know, the first show I did for Echo Chamber, I was really mobile with the dancers. I had my own choreography. <laughs> so that was that was an interesting challenge also as a violinist. And for choreographers, they, they don't often get to work with live musicians that can be part of the choreography or the scene they're creating. You know, usually it's in a corner or in the back. And that's also quite beautiful, you know. I mean, like it's been done for hundreds of years and like that, and, and it's wonderful. But I was interested in really trying to bring those two worlds as close as possible and also as close as possible to the audience. The audience usually is quite close to the performers. That sounds like a very intimate performance experience. Uh, now, I wonder if you collaborate with composers at all. Uh, is the music new music or does it have an improvisatory quality to it? How is that all set up? Well, there's been a bit of everything, actually, because um, first, I should say, I'm not the first person who's done this. You know, there are other um, performing artists around who've looked for integrated performance platforms. You know, I've seen musicians work with dancers before. This is not the discovery of hot water by any means, but for me, it's a nice way of taking chamber music into new territory. A couple projects I've tried to incorporate some elements of improvisation. Um, it's been not the main course of any event by any means, but I had a program a couple years ago, right before the pandemic hit, that we had a small klezmer music component um, between the work by um, John Cor Corigliano, the Red Violin Caprices, and the Kodai uh, String Serenade. And so that was supposed to kind of draw the audience's ear to the stylistic bridge between those two works, you know, the folk element that they had in common. And like the root of that is like the most raw form is this Eastern European klezmer music. So that had an element of improv and some movement improv. Uh, there was a piece by um, Kaya Sariajo, which uh, one of the dancers from the National Ballet, um, Jenna Savella, performed an improvised dance to. But as far as working with composers, I've only done it once with a jazz pianist and composer named Rini Rosnes, a very, very fine Canadian pianist and composer living in New York. And... I came to know her through a mutual friend, um, and she was interested in collaborating. And so she created a work that was jazz classical fusion um, for uh, piano, string quartet, and flute. And that was choreographed by um, two uh, wonderful choreographers in Toronto, um, Liana Bellissimo and Tara uh, Pilon. 
And so that was a nice foray into a different sound world, um, a chance to work with a living composer, create something absolutely fresh. You know, everything about that was, was brand new, so that was really exciting. So your organization sounds like has uh, the quality to shift and be open to new projects and art forms, including new music and improvised music. So that sounds uh, really good. And I keep trying to look for new ways to um, involve other art forms and, and see how we can find that intersection between our forms of expression, because um, that's the most exciting thing for me is is seeing the music as it is interpreted by a choreographer or a dancer that's really cool and what have you been doing this past year have you been uh, involved with online productions and if so what were some of the challenges along the way uh, do you rely on that audience interaction for your productions or can it be uh, and has it been done online well absolutely it was it was a challenge in covid um with music at least we can sit in one spot and record ourselves but dance <laughs> movement is obviously a necessary component of that and so to adhere to distancing rules six feet you know that's very challenging for a choreographer to work with and and so we actually had um a couple opportunities with ottawa chamber fest and toronto summer music festival the event at ottawa chamber fest was supposed to be last april and it got cancelled of course because that was um at the peak of the third wave but when restrictions eased a little bit there was some opportunity but with very tight parameters and i have to say i was really impressed with how choreographers dealt with those parameters anyway and still were able to create strong material you know we had a maximum of two dancers solo violin like it was very very tight but we still made it work and even though the performance got canceled i was really proud to see what we were able to achieve under such tight restrictions And then we did a production at Ottawa Chamber Fest in August and a production at um, Toronto Summer Music Festival a week before in July. You know, the, all the restrictions were in a state of flux at that point. And so it was very challenging for all of us, especially the choreographer, to adapt to changing regulations. Like, can we have partnering? Can the dancers touch? Um, two weeks before the performance, the answer was no. And then the answer was yes. And so another thing I was really impressed with was how dancers were able to learn this material from video And even stuff that was video material of people partnering, they were able to learn the shapes and learn it as a solo, which I thought was um, remarkable. So COVID threw another set of challenges, but I was really proud that we were able to put on two shows during the summer, this past summer. And uh, before that, it was very feeble attempts here and there, but it's so much work that it, unless we have an audience to perform for, it's, it's hard to justify really. And we're looking forward to seeing some of your upcoming productions. Now, I'm interested in your relationship with the SBO. I know uh, you mentioned that you actually knew our music director, Ronald Royer, since you were 12. Can you talk about that? Well, um, Ron was my high school music teacher at the uh, University of Toronto Schools, UTS. And uh, so he really knows me quite well back when I was that little rascal in the classroom who 
caused trouble for him. Um, so he put up with me and now we have a really wonderful professional relationship. I mean, I always had a trust, respect and appreciation for him, even when I was making his job more difficult in high school. (laughs) He was always incredibly supportive of me and everything a teacher should be patient, understanding, um, met me where I was. And I'm really thankful for the kind of role model he was. Now, I mean, almost 20 years later, we're doing cool projects together and I love that. So he invited me to be the artist in residence with Scarborough Philharmonic a couple years ago, or a few years ago, I guess. And uh, when I started Echo Chamber, he was really helpful as an advisor and someone who I could talk to about um, how to really bring this to life in the best way, in a way that would make sure that people who I work with feel respected, that um, we're delivering meaningful content, and that we're communicating well with audiences or would-be audience members. So immediately there was a relationship between Echo Chamber and Ron in its formation because he was so helpful uh, to me. And also artistically, I was able to participate in the SPO's season. Ron mentioned that you played the Corn Gold. Uh, was that the violin concerto that you played with the SPO? Yes, uh, I love the music of Corn Gold so much. And this was a new piece for me. I never played the Corn Gold concerto. I was always a little bit afraid of it because it's so difficult. But I was really glad to have the opportunity and the challenge. And, you know, it was a really great experience. The orchestra was so accommodating and generous and uh it was a lot of fun that sounds absolutely fantastic uh it must have been a wonderful experience for the both of you and it was also really nice because it (laughs) coincided with both of our birthdays they're a couple days apart and so i remember we had a rehearsal just the two of us and then we went out for dinner for a big birthday of ron's and then two days later same thing for me (laughs) so that was nice Now you're quite active with your projects. Uh, you also have a quartet. Uh, how is that compared to the larger production? I think I'm really a quartet musician at heart. That was all I wanted to do when I was a university student. And then I kind of started looking at how much it costs to live in Toronto and I <laughs> decided to get a job. But um, I love playing quartets. I love my quartet. And we do as much as we can. It's sort of a long distance relationship. There's always been one person who doesn't live in Toronto, but that doesn't hold us back. We get together when we can and we do concerts. And, and this past summer, we actually recorded our debut CD. So um, that'll that'll come out um, sometime in the new year. And uh, we're, we're really excited about that. Wonderful. And that's the Rosebud Quartet. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Aaron. We'll make sure to let our audiences know of your upcoming album release, as well as concerts and live events. For more, please visit echochambertoronto.com. And that was Aaron Schwebel, Concertmaster with the National Ballet of Canada Orchestra and Associate Concertmaster with the Canadian Opera Company. And that's it for this episode. Make sure to tune in on Fridays, December 10th, 17th, and 31st, as well as January 8th and 22nd for the musical offering of the SBO Great Music Performance Series on our YouTube channel. A complete list of performers and titles will be available on our website. Our next podcast episode will be available on Friday, February 4th on your favorite platform. Our executive producer and audio engineer is Devin Scott. Our producer and music director is Ronald Royer. 
and our host and segment audio engineer is myself, Dr. Daniel Metizad. The SBO Great Music Podcast is brought to you in part by funding and support from the Toronto Arts Council, Delta Bingo and Gaming Downsview, our SBO Board of Directors, and by SBO donors and volunteers. If you'd like to add your support, please consider a one-time or monthly donation online at canadahelps.org. Just search for Scarborough Philharmonic Orchestra. A link is also available on our website, spo.ca. A special thanks to our community partners, Scarborough Arts, Stratford Symphony Orchestra, the Canadian Music Centre, Canadian Sinfonietta, the Bradford Symphony Orchestra, the Cathedral Bluff Symphony Orchestra, and Fab Collab. Share your feedback with us on Facebook and Twitter at SBO Great Music. Until next time.